Hey, you, you want to see something really scary? What's your favorite scary movie? I'm going to scare the hell out of you. What was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. They're coming to get you, Barbara. When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. What's blood for, if not for shedding? Welcome to Fright Night. Welcome back to Jump Scare. I'm Betty. And I'm Shad. This week we're covering 1983's Psycho 2. Please sit down. This matter is being represented by the district attorney. Norman was not convicted of murder. He was found not guilty by reason of insanity. Don't you realize they're going to release a homicidal maniac? I'm going to ask you to sit down, Mrs. Loomis. It's all too obvious. Our courts protect the criminals, not their victims. Norman Bates is judged, restored to sanity, and is ordered released forthwith. It's 22 years later, and Norman Bates is coming home. I own a motel not too far from here. And you'd be welcome to spend the night in one of the empty rooms if you'd like. Good night, Mary. And he's back in business. Who is this? My mother is dead. I'm telling you, there was a note on that wheel for my dead mother. Norman, it couldn't be your mother. It had to be someone else. But trust her. She would never do anything to hurt me. No. She'll kill you. I know she will. No, I. I won't do that. You can't make me kill her. Twenty-two years later, Norman Bates is home. Psycho two. It's starting again. We are celebrating, one, the return to our podcast because we have been very ill as of late and it's prevented us from doing the podcast. So we apologize and we have missed you. Yes, we're happy to be back. Secondly, this film is celebrating its 40th anniversary uh, with the original, well, with this film coming out, obviously, in 1983, the original um, came out in 1960. And even though the film itself, Psycho 2, is set 22 years later, the movie actually is 23 years, which I don't know why they just didn't... They knew it was going to come later, so just say it, you know? Yeah, just even it out. It's just one year. Like, what What would have made a difference? Yeah. The screenplay is by Tom Holland. You may remember him from many things. Fright Night, Child's Play. Etc., etc., etc. It's our generation's Tom Holland, not the other amazing Tom Holland. And the late Richard Franklin, who also directed the film. Yeah, and he did uh, another classic that we like a lot, that one, Road Games, with Jamie Lee Curtis and Stacey Keach. 
And he did that Cloak and Dagger, also with Tom Holland. And then he did that uh, sequel to that uh, movie I like, FX, about the uh, special effects artist that has to uh, try and stop some murders. Jamie Lee Curtis was supposed to be in this movie where they wanted her. He wanted her to be in the film, which obviously she joined later, Road Games. Yeah. Um, which is a fantastic film as well. Uh, she was supposed to be Mary, which is Meg Tilly's uh, part. Yeah. Which would have been an homage to Janet Lee from the original film. Yeah. Which uh, that would have been, I mean, I would have enjoyed seeing her in this, but you know, she was, would you say she was doing trading places at the time? Yeah. She was obligated to do trading places and couldn't do this. And, you know, it would have been kind of neat, but she was done with horror at that point. She'd done quite a few and was trying to move out of the horror genre. And she did, and now she's an Oscar winner. Woo-woo! Yeah. Even though she came back to horror a couple of times. That's fine, but she still got that Oscar anyways. Yeah. So, at the end, she still she still got the award. <laughs> Finally, they've recognized her amazingness. Uh, this film also, obviously, reprisal for Anthony Perkins. Yep. You know him from lots of things. Uh... He kind of got the shaft from Hollywood for a long time just because he got blacklisted for a lot of different things that they didn't care for about him and uh, rumors that he was difficult to work with. Uh, he was blacklisted because he was bisexual. Which is bullshit. Yeah, Crazy. A lot of it's, I'm sure there's way worse, diff more difficult people to work with than Anthony Perkins, you know. Uh, then you have, as I mentioned before, Meg Tilly. Um, on the scene, and a little cameo of what <laughs> director Osgood Oz Perkins, which is obviously Anthony Perkins' son, who played the younger version of him at the beginning of the film. Yeah, you see a little uh, flashback to Norman looking at the doorknob, and that's uh, his son playing the part. I thought that was kind of fun. And you know, Osgood Perkins would go on to do things like The Black Coat's Daughter, Gretel and Hansel. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. A upcoming film with Nicolas Cage, supposedly called Long Legs, which I'm all about it, and the girl uh, from um, It Follows. Wow, okay. So I'm all, I'm all about it. Very looking forward to it. Really, really enjoyed Black Coat's Daughter and Hansel and Gretel. Uh, so, yeah. Who else is in the film, Shad? Uh, you said Vera Miles, right? I did not. Vera Miles is in this. And she's reprising her role as Marion Crane's sister from the original. Lila Crane. Yep. You've also got uh, Robert Loggia. You remember him from Scarface, Independence Day, and I don't know, like 600 other movies that he was in over the course of his life. Specifically, Bad Girls. He was a fucking asshole. Oh, he was in the show. He was the sheriff. Frank, Frank, no, he was the kid Jared's father. Ah. Uh, who they kidnapped in the later in the film. His kid, Jared, like, flogged poor Drew Barrymore in the film. Oh. Yeah, because she left him or whatever. Because, you know, there were, like, four prostitutes, like, escaping or whatever. And he's you know, the I dad. I don't and actually remember anything about that movie, so. For, okay. You need to just, okay. We have it on VHS. We can, we, we need to do this. It's Drew Barrymore. Come on, come on, come on. Now everyone loves her. Now everyone's all about her. She's trendy now. <laughs> I, I I love this freaking woman from <coughs> day one. But anyways, anyways, psycho Drew Barrymore fanatic love on the side. Uh, anyone else you would recognize? Uh, yeah, you also recognize Dennis Franz in this, and he is. This is another one of Dennis Franz's long roles of playing a scumbag. Yeah, man, he's so good at it. Yeah, he's probably a super nice guy in person, but yeah, he's always played an asshole in so many things. He plays an angel in City of Angels. 
And I got to be nice once. So and as he went along in NYPD Blue, he went from an asshole to the nice guy. So he got there eventually. So the film, they're letting Norman Bates out of the insane asylum. He's been in there for 22 years. He's done his time. And he's ready to rejoin society. Yeah, they've judged that he is no longer insane. But of course, you know, obviously with good intention, you know, we have Marion Crane's sister, Lila Crane. She's, you know, trying petitioned. She has got a petition with like over 700 signatures to like keep him locked up because he's a psycho and she doesn't want him released. But alas, that doesn't do anything which she already knew going in. She just wanted to make, you know, her one last ruffle some feathers um, and see if she can do anything, which is like, you know, that wasn't going to happen. He's out and he gets to go back home, which is crazy because I feel like I would not want to go back home to like where I murdered like people and where I had like a weird relationship with my dead mom's body. Yeah, I feel like that was the first failing of his psychiatrist played by Robert Loggia was that been like, Norman, you don't need to go back to that house. Let's move you into a small studio apartment in the city somewhere. Especially if the city, now Dennis France, he plays the hotel manager, the yeah. Bates Motel. Obviously someone has to run this um, hotel. He's been running the hotel um, per the city, you know, has given him, like, whatever. And he's a scumbag, and he's running out the rooms to, like, druggies, prostitutes, ed- ed- kids, everybody. Anyone who got the money, he's like, I don't care what you're doing. It's a party everywhere. Just give me the money and go around. And, of course, you know, Norman is not about that life. He is, like, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, as soon as he gets back home and sees what this guy's doing, he's like, oh, no. You gotta get out of here, dude. Yeah, which... Of course, doesn't sit well with Dennis France. He's like, nah. But if he had someone as like someone was a manager there, that means that he was still getting some kind of money. He could have just left and done something else, you know. Um, Norman Bates, yeah, like Norman Bates. You know, let's say he was getting some money from obviously the motel. He could have gone and led a life. Maybe the next town over. He doesn't have to go to, like, you know, four states over. He could just not be in the creepy-ass house. Yeah, the first thing they should have done was put that place up for sale, sold it off to whoever wanted to buy it, let Norman take the money, and then just go live somewhere else. But, you know, that doesn't happen, because if it did, then we wouldn't have a movie. So, obviously, like I said in the beginning, this movie is 40 years old, so there's... This is going to be just full of spoilers. If you haven't seen the film, I recommend that you see the film. Because even though the film was filmed, uh, it was filmed so many years after the fact, it's a pretty good sequel. Yeah, it's got to be one of the better sequels, especially for one that took 22 years to come out. Yeah, I mean, fuck, you guys can't get it together. And when I mean you guys, I mean Hollywood out there. You can't get it together and get a good sequel to a movie that came out... 10 years ago, like... I think until the Top Gun Maverick came out last year, this was the movie with the longest time between the uh, it and the ori- the sequel and the original. Mm. But then Maverick came out, and it was like almost 40 years. So that kind of blew it out of the water. But till then, it had a title. Yeah, well, what, Hocus Pocus. That also had a long yeah. thing. A so long yeah, time. they probably got beat out of that, too. Yeah, but still... 
it's, for a long time it was a champ for a long time but hocus pocus sequel it was fine was it the most amazing sequel and better than the original fuck no it wasn't it wasn't i'm sorry it wasn't it just it just wasn't let's not even get into that um but to this film i love it it's very sad when we when you decided that you wanted to choose this for your birthday month i was excited but also was like oh no because I was just so sad for Norman. Like, yeah, we shouldn't be rallying behind, like, no pun intended, the psycho. Um, you know, he's a killer. But it's just like, he led he led a messed up life, man. And his mom was terrible. And, you know, and he did his time. He did his time. Can he just have a normal life? He would have had a normal life. He would have. Dot, if dot, dot. some people hadn't decided to play games. Yeah, for real. Now... <laughs> Now, he is given a job to be, like, a cook's assistant at, like, the local diner. I like how they say cook's assistant at a diner. (laughs) What does that mean, exactly? Well, we saw what that means because they gave you a little bit of, like, they showed you at work, him at work. He's chopping the onions. He's chopping the celery. He's refilling the fucking bottles of the damn ketchup. He's doing whatever the cook needs him to do. That's what he's doing. Um, he was pulling the orders and reading them out loud. Like he was doing things. Don't take away, don't take away poor Norman's job. And you know, what's crazy. Uh, no, he was very good at chopping up that lettuce too. Yeah. (laughs) He was very good with a knife. That should have concerned people right away. (laughs) That's when they just like a montage. Okay. Let's say we do a modern, modern movie, right? We're not, we're going to totally forget about the Vince Vaughn one. That didn't happen. Modern psycho. Um, and that montage of him, like, doing all the cutting of the, like, the lettuce and the onions or whatever, they overplay, like, psycho killer. Like. <laughs> <laughs> He's just chopping up everything. Guess who say? A chop, 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 chop. Yeah, they would really go for that, too. Right? <laughs> it's too on the nose. It's too on the nose. That's, that wouldn't, that wouldn't, like, be good. But I, I would enjoy it because it's fucking stupid and it cracks me up. Um, so yeah, he, uh, gets a job there and Mick Tilly is a waitress who's, you know, young girl. She got a lot of boy problems. I mean, the girl, her boyfriend is terrible. Supposedly, was there even a boyfriend? Who knows? He was terrible and, you know, she's dealing with whatever bullshit. But this is my favorite thing about Norman. He's so fucking professional because he's like, oh, I'm a cook's assistant. My first day, I'm going to show up in a suit. He came with a full-on suit. And guys, this is the early 80s. So technically, let's just say, let's round it up. Just go backward. It's the late 70s. The 80s haven't really gotten like its identity yet. This suit, you know, was made out of fucking polyester. And he's like in the middle of like the desert. It is not every time they show this town, like where is he supposed to be taking place? Yeah, Do you know? California, yeah. California? Well, let me tell you. It looks dusty and hot, and it looks like it's in fucking, like, Nevada. And I'm not about it, okay? I would not be running around with a polyester suit. And it's like, he's very tall. So that's a very... That's a lot of suit, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so, yeah, he comes in with the suit, and uh, that's his... That, in his mind, he was like, no, nah, it's fine. But I guess someone that is insane would wear that for his first day. Yeah, it's like he way overdressed for that. Like, big time overdressed. But, as soon as he's in there, for like five minutes, the first, one of the first orders he pulls out is a note from Mother. 
which suspicious right away. It's like, oh, no, Norman, are you already seeing things? And that's the thing. For a little while, you're not sure if this is just in Norman's head or if he's really seeing these notes that keep coming from Mother. Because he keeps getting notes like, kill them all, you know, don't let that whore... After he asks Mick Tilly to stay in the house, he gets the note from Mother. It's like, don't let that whore stay in my house. You're like, oh, shit, Mother's back. There was This movie is like the definition of gaslighting. He was gaslit up and down this movie, this yeah. this poor man. And also, this is the other thing that, like, in, in, I, I might be wrong. I might be wrong. Obviously, I was not alive in 1960, so I don't even know if this fucking existed. But did post-its exist? Because I feel like an old-ass lady would not be using post-its to be posting around a house leaving notes. That should have been his first indication, like, hmm, maybe this wasn't mother. Because if it was an old lady, that shit would have whipped out with the fucking personalized stationery, okay? It would have said, like, whatever the fuck her name was. Or would have um, been one of those really uh, cheap little 3 by 5 spiral notebooks that you buy at every drugstore yes and everything even one of those with the pages ripped out of it just taped to notes uh, the note tape somewhere i don't know i feel like she was like a refined lady did you see the parlor like i feel like she would have had personalized stationery but nevertheless it would have not been a damn post-it okay that would have been right off like i would have seen that as norman been like "Mm, i don't think this is my mom because she would have never used this like it didn't even exist back in her day so she don't even know how to use it. She probably looked at that like, what the fuck is this? So yeah, all these like crazy things happen to him. And it's upsetting. Like, it's so upsetting because you know there's something up. And you yeah, for a while you're not sure. But then you get, you figure it out pretty quick that like, oh, you know, this Mary that Meg Tilly's playing is, you know, she's in on it pretty, you realize she's in on it and so is her mother who her mother is Vera Miles and they're working together to their whole plot apparently is to drive Norman insane and make him try to kill someone so that they can then prove that he's crazy and they need to be back in the asylum which you know like if you really think he's that crazy then you really shouldn't have to do anything all you should have to do is watch him exactly and he would do something which would have been a better plan for him was to have just keep an eye on him, you know, just watch him like a hawk. And as soon as he made the first weird step, then call the police on him. Yeah, because he, he has a lot of triggers. Like, I don't know what they were doing in the asylum. Um, uh, the psychiatrist really helps him out a lot of times. I really feel bad for that dude because he really believed in Norman and he really was a good support system for him. Um, but... It obviously doesn't work out for him, but yeah. <laughs> but he was he had a friend, you know, he had someone that believed in him, and they really man, they they really messed with Norman. the The craziest part in the movie for me, well, no, I shouldn't say the craziest, but one of the parts that I'm just like, hmm. So when earlier when they had the conversation, Dennis Franz and Norman Bates. Dennis was like, oh, I just ran out some kids that just broke into your house just last week because uh, they were whatever. And he was just trying to show like, hey, I'm looking out for you kind of thing, I guess. He was having this moment. And lo and behold, you know, a week later, obviously Norman's in the house. He Weird shit's happening to him. And these two kids, I don't know if they're teenagers or fucking college kids. I don't know. They fucking sneak into the damn basement of the damn house, okay? Because you know that's a good spot to smoke pot and get laid. It's the basement of the murder house. 
This is what I'm saying. What the fuck were they thinking? Okay. What the fuck were they thinking? I'm not, but this is the funny part. When the fucking kid, when the guy whips out with the joint and gives it to the girl, she's like, no, no, I'm good. Like they already pre-smoked before they got there. Because let me tell you, it would have taken a lot of weed for me to have smoke beforehand to fucking even try to get me into the house. Okay. And then you're going to be naked. Like on the fucking, this is not a finished basement, okay? There's like the wooden ass cellar. shelves, and yeah, there's like jars of like pickled onions and shit, and like a dusty ass floor. It's like a dirt floor. Yeah. It is not like a comfortable place. I'm not trying to get like sand in my vag, okay? No, that's a big no for me. So, yes. And spoiler alert, it does not end well for the kids. And they fucking deserved it because they shouldn't have fucking been there. They should have not been there. I don't care how good that weed is, how good the fucking dick was gonna be. I was. I'm not. I'm not gonna be having any kind of thing. And that literally, that part cracks me up because all I thought about in that part was that reminded me of student bodies when the fucking guys like <coughs> the line would have been like creepy basements make me hot, yeah. you know? Because <laughs> so. That was just like no, no, guys. That's not for a, a while. Thing. I thought it was uh, Fear of Miles's character that might have killed the kid in the basement because they let the girl get away. I mean, she got away, and they, the person that killed her, could have chased her down. And then, well, why didn't they chase her down? I thought, oh, maybe they want to let her get away so they can frame Norman for this murder. Of course, because he was in the house at the time. Yeah. But he was locked up. Yeah, he was... They locked him up in the base, in the uh, attic. They locked him up because they snuck in and redid the mom's room like it was back before she died, or back before he went to the asylum. They had it all set up. It made him freak out seeing it, you know, in the same condition it was before he went to the asylum. Then he ran upstairs in the attic. They shut the door and locked him in. And then went back and, you know, put everything away and then just pretended like it never happened. She kept saying, well, Norman, it's right here. Who do you, you think someone snuck in here and did all this and then took it away? No. And of course, that's where Norman, you know, the police come and they're like, yeah, this girl says her boyfriend got murdered in your basement. So let's go down there and take a look. And of course, it's pristine. Nothing happened. So you really cast suspicion on the, uh, you know, Marion Crane, Lila Crane and her daughter. Like, you're like, are these two just actually killing people now just to frame Norman because that's gone a little far. Yeah, who's the crazy one now? Yeah, they might be worse than Norman if they're willing to kill innocent people just to prove Norman's a killer. That's what makes the movie for me like entertaining and like murder mystery like because you're like, oh shit, did these bitches lose it? And now they're going to this extent? Like, what the fuck is going on? So it's like a mystery within a mystery because the first half of the film you don't know who who was doing this to him? And then kind of like in the middle, there's the reveal. But yet that's when shit starts getting real. And then people start actually dying. Yeah. Dennis Franz gets stabbed to death and put in the trunk of a car and pushed into the lake like Norman was known to do when he was mother. So you're a little wondering like, yeah, is Norman doing some of this too? They keep you guessing for a while on what's going on. Yeah. All is revealed like the last like 15, 20 minutes of the movie. Um, there's a cool thing you have pointed out, which the last time I saw this film was like 10 years ago. Um, but when they first enter Meg Tilly, uh, cause Meg Tilly's like, you can't be afraid of a room. 
Like, because he so doesn't want to go into mom's room. He's like, no, yeah. I don't want to go in there, which I wouldn't want to go in there either. That's a whole bunch of bad memories. God knows what else, you know, cheated to that poor child in there. Like, beat him with the old school, like, Catholic fucking ruler against his hands. And, you know, whatever weird shit that she fucking had him do. Comb her hair, whatever. <laughs> he didn't want to go in there. But when they do go in there, there's a quick shadow of... um what is it called? Like the, when you do the like silhouette a portrait, of, the silhouette of Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, I thought that was a cool little uh, thing in there. Because if you blink, you'll miss it. But it's it's very cool when you see it. It's fucking awesome. It's great. Um, so, you know, a little tip of the hat there uh, to the OG. Um, and I don't know. you. There's so many. It really like starts to unravel really fast. Because uh, at one point, Lila Crane's downstairs and someone comes in and murders her. Someone that you can see looks like an old lady. You're like, oh shit, is it Norman dressed up like mom again? Or did the daughter go crazy and kill her? Because pretty soon, you see the daughter dressed as, you know, the the mother. And she's trying to fuck with Norman while she's dressed like mother. And you're like, oh, maybe the daughter went crazy. And it ends in a very, you know, a bloodbath kind of. Because when she tries to make, you know, she realizes things are going wrong. She dresses up like mother. and tries Yeah, McTilly. Yeah, and she tries to intimidate Norman into just staying away from her. And by that point, he's gotten so far over the edge. He's gone because he's been receiving phone calls and someone is telling him who, quote, it's mother. Mother is telling him to do this and do that and whatever. But Meg Tilly's trying to convince him that she's the mother and she has the fucking whole get up standing in front of yeah. him. And it's not working out because he's not listening to anyone but this person on the phone. And you don't it's like it's, know who that is. It's, like it's my real mother. It, it turned, you know, my, my, the one I thought was my mother wasn't my mother. This is my real mother talking to me now. And she stabs the shit out of Norman. She stabs him in both hands. She stabs him in the side, the chest. She stabs him a lot. And then she finally gets down to the basement and she finds her mother's body down there. And she, you know, stabs him again and is about to just full-on stab him in the head when the police bust in and shoot her. Because at this point, they see she's about to murder Norman. And then they lay out the whole thing about, well, you know, they were the ones doing this and... They snapped, and they couldn't fucking deal with it, and... And the police even say, did they kill all these other people? Maybe. We don't really know. We don't know exactly what happened, but we know what they were trying to do to Norman, and maybe they did go so far as to try and do all this. So, Norman, we're just going to take you on home, because there's no point in us holding you, because we know you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, this man, all he wants to do is just cut some onions. He wants to come back, maybe read a book. Go home, um, eat his peanut butter and jelly sandwich that he was making. Yeah, it was a ham and cheese sandwich. And then when he but... gets home, <laughs> you see... It was a ham and cheese sandwich, Dad. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, sorry. <laughs> don't mess, don't fuck with the man's sandwiches. <laughs> then you see, coming up the steps to the house, you see Mother. You see the old lady walking up the steps. She knocks on the door. She's real. He opens the door and there's an old lady there explaining to him that, yeah... You recognize me. I, I work at the diner with you. And she says, explains to him that, yeah, she is his real mother. She gave him up to her sister when she had her troubles and had to be put in an asylum for a long time. And when she got out, Norman, by the time she got out, Norman already had his problems. <laughs> so she said she stayed close to keep an eye on him. 
And when, you know, he came back and she saw these people bothering him, she just took care of him because that's what a mother does. Yeah, she was like, nah, bro. So she was the one that was actually murdering everyone. And he went and he went in the cupboard and would just ask her if she wanted some tea. And he was just going to make her a nice tea. But, you know, he pushed aside all the tea leaves and he went way back to a little canister. You're like, oh, no, this is the poison tea. (laughs) This is the one where he poisoned his mother. He pulled that out of the back and she's sitting there just quietly drinking your tea. And you're like, oh, well, maybe not. You know, whatever. Maybe then he he asks her, would you like some milk and sugar? She's like, well, yes. And then he just picks the shovel up and just bashes her head in from behind. Yeah. Just very calmly, quietly. Hits her so damn hard, he breaks the chair with her in it. Then just picks her up, takes her upstairs, puts her in bed. Then you start hearing the mother voice. And Norman, go downstairs and open the hotel. We've got money to make. Yeah. Yes, mother. Yes, mother. So sad. So by all their bullshit, they just put Norman right back to where he was. But then for some weird fucking reason, in the third movie, they totally fucking like said, no, nah, that wasn't the mom. Like they they went back and oh, they really? said, I don't yeah that. they went back and they were like no she wasn't the first mom was the actual mom this woman was just crazy she was the aunt but she wasn't his mom hmm. she was the she was like you know I haven't seen that third one in a long time but I'm just like why you did that I mean ugh. it's under it's believable that that would have happened because back in the day when there were troubles like that or when you could for anything back in those days yes that's very true and you would have your sister raise your child as their own and then you would just disappear whether to the nunnery or you you whatever you the saint asylum or you just like i can't have a kid and i'm just gonna leave my life and the you know your sister's like i'll just raise this child like that should happen all the time so it's a believable story for the time frame that it's set. But I don't know why they turned their back on that storyline for the third part. Maybe because it probably conflicts with what happens in that one. I vaguely remember what happens, but yeah, I do remember that. I'll have to watch it sometime again and see. I give this, uh, also, no pun intended, I give this film three knives. <laughs> three, three shower knives. <laughs> Yeah, I, I give it four knives myself. I, I really enjoy it. Oh, three, oh, okay. We going high. Oh, that's right because our thing goes up to five. Okay, no four. Uh, no, I know, but I said three, so I'm taking my three back. I'm gonna say four. Okay. I also give it four knives. Yeah, this has got to be one of the best sequels ever, and it did. They did a great job with it, and I also was reading up on it and saw that if uh, Anthony Perkins hadn't agreed to come back, supposedly. Christopher Walken would have been the one to take over the part and play Norman. Christopher Walken. That would have been a whole... First of all, I'm going to tell you right now. That would have been a terrible choice. Because as soon as Christopher Walken came on, you were like, oh, that motherfucker did it. Yep. He... he The eyes. It's the eyes that makes him look crazy. He got them big old eyes and his sunken face. No offense, Christopher Walken. Love you. Fucking talented. But scary as fuck. Like, no. <laughs> Definitely killer. Like, <laughs> Immediately, everybody would have been like... It's like Nicholson in The Shining. You're like, oh, yeah, he was crazy long before he got to the motel. Yeah, the motel didn't make Nicholson crazy. He just made it a little worse. He was already nuts. He was already nuts. It was the alcohol, y'all. Yeah. But, yeah, Christopher Walken in that would have been crazy. That would have been crazy. Now I want to... But, wait, Christopher Walken, but yet Meg Tilly, Mary as Jamie Lee Curtis. So now we got Jamie Lee Curtis and Christopher Walken. That would have been pretty crazy. That would have been a whole... Like, I can't even imagine what... 
like yeah, the tone of that movie would have been very different movie. So different, such a different film. But it might have been good. Uh, the book of Psycho Two is completely different than this. Yes, they didn't really want to do that one because it was a little too metaphor at the time. Because in the book, Norman actually escapes from the asylum to go and stop them from making a movie about his life, which of course would be Psycho. And he goes to Hollywood to try and stop it. So they weren't about to do that back at the time because they didn't really do a lot of like very meta commentaries about stuff back at that time. So that was just something that they were like, no, we don't want to do that. That was a kind of bit of his time, this novel. But wait a second, wait a second. Now I have to read this book because I'm like, what? Oh, shit. Oh, hold on a second. Is this a fucking Scream 3? Is Scream 3 an homage to that novel? Because literally that's what happens in Scream 3. Yeah, probably. That's literally what happens. And the novel was written by the same guy who wrote the original Psycho, Robert Block. So he wrote a sequel to his own. He wrote a couple of sequels. He wrote Psycho 2 and I think there's a Psycho House or something that goes along with it. Psycho House. But yeah, he, uh, yeah he, he didn't apparently care for the movie very much, but you know. The writers rarely do. The writers rarely do. With, I mean, sometimes with good, good reasoning. Reason. I'm going to say with, re- I'm going to say all the times with good reason. Reason. Yeah. Because it's not the vision of, the thing that irks me is you option to make this into a film because of the success of the novel or how whoever read it really enjoyed it. And then you're like, yeah, I really enjoy that. But I'm going to change all of these things about it. And it's like, the, the, that's not what you made it into. is not what you enjoyed that got you to, in, you know, want to do it in the first place. That's what throws me off. I just don't get it. That's like the, uh, Dean Koontz has had the, he has a great, uh, like there's an interview with him where he talks about so many of his things that have been optioned into movies. Of all of them, only like two have ever been the, the same as what it was. Like his book Watchers was all about an ex- military guy who finds a dog that has super intelligence and all these different things there's you know there's a uh, he ends up with a girlfriend character in it and there's a lot of different things in the movie it's Corey Haim who's a teenager in in a high school that finds the dog so they changed all that right away then he had another one where it was about a character that when he went to sleep he teleported and and woke up in different places they option. They wanted to option the novel, but remove the teleportation part of it. <laughs> He's like, but that's the whole story. He goes to sleep and he wakes up in different places. Like, yeah, we want to change that. Okay, so what would the story be about then? It was nothing about the same. It was nothing about the book. They just wanted to use the name. Wow. And he didn't let them do it. And they were just like, I don't understand why. Like what you said, if you want to make the story, why not just make the story instead of just using the... A lot of times I think they just want the name. Well, there's so many... There's so many examples where so many movies share the same fucking name. Like, literally. It's just like... like this, Especially when it's something that came out first. And then, like, maybe a year, two, five, ten, whatever years later, the another movie comes out with the same name. And it's like, why do you want to be associated with this other movie? When you look it up, yes, theoretically, when you look it up, the first thing that's going to come up is going to be the most recent one. But still, there's that connection, you know? That, that I don't get. But, yeah, you should definitely view this film, um, view the original. And then watch this film back to back. Yeah, this would be a good... 
this is one of the few where you know sit down and watch them together and it really they really sync up well even though the beginning of this film does literally show you the scenes the shower scene it revisits the shower scene um multiple times multiple times and that whole scene like this from the moment that they're in the courtroom Till the moment where it's like, and it's 22 years later, and they show you like the Bates Motel like sign or whatever. There's like, uh, I want to say like maybe like five times they show uh, Janet Lee. Um, the only reason why I psychologically know that is because I'm doing an edit of the trailer uh. and I'm like picking up scenes that I want to like put together. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't notice when they were showing it because it's happened. It's so fast because it's within like two or three minutes. Um, the cuts are so fast that you don't really notice like, oh, they just showed like a big, you know, like her getting into the bathroom and then washing herself and then, you know, this angle and then him coming to the curtain and then the stabbing scene and they show it all like... They show the whole thing, so which is pretty cool if you haven't seen, like if you haven't seen the original in a long time, so there's some context of like yeah, why this woman you. is like, you know. Because, you know, when this came out, VHS was still relatively new, so they kind of need to remind people about it because not everyone had, the original Psycho wasn't something you could just go pick up at the video store, you know. Yeah. They were out there, but they weren't nearly, I mean, like my town had one by that point, I think. You wow, know? that's wild. Yeah, so, you know, of course now you can see it wherever you want. Well, thank you so much for joining us in another episode. We're celebrating the 40th anniversary of Psycho 2. Stay tuned to the horror. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.